Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. This weekend, uh, we are now starting a brand new series called Fresh Fruit. Back in the fall, we uh, did a series of in Galatians. We spent a number of weeks in the book of Galatians. And out of that, um, Jordan and I had a conversation about the fruit of the Spirit and how um, I thought that I had teed him up like he was preaching on the fruit of the Spirit, that whole Gal- chapter of Galatians 5. And... Um, and he said, well, yeah, but I'm barely scratching the surface. And so uh, that's the result. The result is we're doing this series now on the fruit of the Spirit. We're calling it Fresh Fruit. Fresh Fruit is a beautiful thing. It's a good thing. We all like fresh fruit. But fresh fruit doesn't just happen, as you know. Fruit bearing trees, fruit bearing plants don't just happen. It, it They bear fruit and they bear healthy fruit because someone has paid attention. Someone has watered, someone has pruned, and someone has grown these plants. And um, ironically, this is also true in the spiritual, not just the natural, but also in the spiritual. If you know your Bible at all, you know that fruit has long held a place in the Christian vernacular and especially in scripture as a place Uh, as a thing that has sort of been a signpost. We've said, if you have fruit in your life, if you have good fruit in your life, then that is a a visible representation of what has happened inside of you. When you have bad fruit, if you have rotten fruit, if you have fermented fruit, if you have dried up fruit, which only belongs on the compost pile, then you also have... uh, have characteristics that have been, uh, have not been in alignment with Jesus. Because when you have good fruit, then you have these characteristics, these attributes of the Spirit represented in your life. These attributes of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Now, you all know that some of this fruit comes a whole lot easier than others. And it depends on who you are as to what you struggle with. Good fruit is in direct opposition to the bad fruit and vice versa. When we lean into Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, it doesn't automatically grow in us. Like it's not just an automatic thing. You have to pay attention. You have to listen to the Spirit. Stay in step with the Spirit. We need to lay aside our sinful desires and live in the Spirit's power. But living in the Spirit's power is not natural. It is actually supernatural. And when we don't live in the supernatural, it often has is because we have not yielded our lives. We have not surrendered our lives to his work in us. So this is where we're headed for the foreseeable future. I'm going to encourage you to read Galatians 5 and then read it again and read it again 
And if you go on your Bible app on your phone, you'll find a number of um, fruit of the spirit plans, reading plans there. And I would encourage you to step into that as well. Uh, this will inform how you receive the words over these next number of weeks. And as we, as we do all of that, we'll lean in together and uh, we'll see, okay, what are the attributes of the Spirit that are visible in my life and which ones am I missing at this moment? So now let me give a word of clarity about the nine uh, Christ-like attributes in Galatians 5. So some people refer to them in the plural like uh, fruits of the Spirit. And yet, uh, while it is true that they're distinct from each other, these of these nine attributes come together and they form this Christ-like character. They're representative of the Christ-like character that is being built and worked and created in us. So we will talk about the fruit in the singular because uh, similar to a, an orange, you slice an orange and you slice nine slices out of it, it's all from the same fruit. So we're after the, the, the well-rounded, we're, we're after the complete fruit of the Spirit. So with that introduction, uh, let's take a bite into this first week of fresh fruit and tackle the easy, and I'm sure you'll agree, the simple and the uncomplicated topic of love. Is it really? Is love really all you need? Is love all you need to get through the hard times? Enough to eliminate all conflict? Is it enough to overcome all obstacles? And what about the wounds in your life? Is love enough to heal all the wounds? Is love all you need? Well, I think it's a little more complicated than that. What do we mean by love? Is it agape love? So I'm gonna use some Greek words here. Agape love, meaning sacrificial or unconditional love. Is it storge love, which is like family love or affection? Is it philia, which is like friendship, friendship love? Or is it the physical love, the romantic love, often referred to in the Greek as eros? So those are four different kinds. See, if we have the right perspective, if we have good perspective about what love is, we'll recognize that agape love, that unconditional sacrificial love, is the only one that is sustainable in the long term. If we don't have that, what do we have? Because love is more than simply a feeling. So the romantic love would say, well, I am attracted to you, and so I have love for you. But sustainable, long-term love is more than an attraction. It requires us to be willing to be wrong and to resist the temptation to project blame on others. Love requires us to take responsibility for who we are, how we act, what we do. Love requires us to experience more lessons in humility than many of us would ever want to do. Isn't that the truth? Love requires humility. 
It requires us to restrain ourselves when we have the impulse to say or do something that would uh, gratify our ego but hurt someone else. Love requires us to constantly try to discover what can I give rather than, boy, I deserve this. What can I get out of this? You see the difference? See, this, this question of what kind of love is important. It's significant. Is your love narrow and small, or is it wide and expansive? See, what we call love is often simply attraction. What we call love is often lived out in ways that is simply self-gratifying. It scratches my itch. That's what we call love sometimes. The Beatles' lyrics and their songs were mostly on the money. Like, they were pretty good at writing songs. But millions of teenage fans that took these lyrics to heart were sorely disappointed when love did not turn out the way they expected, when love was not the way they had hoped it would be. But what is true is that true love, agape love, this agape love, it forms the basis from which all the best things in life are derived. Without agape love, the other eight attributes that we'll look at in the fruit of the Spirit won't show up. Because when love breaks down, our base human nature, our sin nature, when we lose love, that sin nature obviously has been nurtured and it has, instead of nurturing love, we've nurtured our sin nature. We have fertilized it. We've caused it to flourish and thrive. And then when that happens, it is as Paul writes in Galatians 5, verse 19. He says, like when that happens, what follows is that our desires, our sinful nature desires, show up in ways that we would call sexual immorality, impurity, Lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Did Paul live in the 21st century? Or did he live in an ancient world? I mean, he could be writing this today. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Beth from Yellowstone comes to mind when I see those verses. Good Lord. Like, I don't know, but she's a prime example, right, of someone who, if you haven't watched Yellowstone, you probably shouldn't, but... Um, <laughs> The storyline is pretty intriguing. And um, to see the characters develop and to see, uh, that's the first person I thought of. Like she is wildly crazy and unable to be like, let's just say, I don't think she's inheriting the kingdom of God at this moment. I'm glad she's just a character. But I wonder where you find yourself this morning. Because we can look at that and say, yeah, Beth, that's just a, she's just a character. But if you go down through this list, 
I'll bet there are some of us in the room this morning that would look at that and go, hmm, I think I'll bypass that one. That's a characteristic I'm gonna bypass. Well, Paul continues to, to write in Romans 8. He says, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Talking more about this sinful nature. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of this, their sinful nature can never please God. So this, this conjuring up good works, like we can do that for a little bit. But if we expect to live a life that is sustainable, a, a life that is for the benefit of others, Wowzer, I don't know how to do that without the Spirit of God residing in me. Verse 9 gives us hope. Paul is writing to the Romans, and he writes to us this morning. He says, but you, say it with me, but you, yeah, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. Keyword, two letters, if, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, then the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And again, I will tell you, it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this line gives me life. There is no law against these things. Do you hear that? Like, you can do all these things, and no one is ever going to say, stop loving so much. Would you stop being so kind? Like your gentleness is just too much. Now, if you're acting a fool and you're trying to be somebody you're not and you're trying to conjure up this, this spiritual work in your life and you're trying to be gentle, but you know in your heart you hate that person and you're just trying to be kind, that also comes out. That also shows up. See, we can't, we can't hide behind a facade long-term and have a life that is worth living. We have to be real about what's inside. Brenda already read 1 Corinthians 13, but let me, let me just say to you that Paul wasn't writing to the Corinthians to say, hey, good on you. You're doing so many things right. Let me tell you how to love and 1 Corinthians 13 wasn't written for a wedding ceremony, but that's about when we hear it, mostly. We hear it at weddings. But if you take this to heart, love is kind. Love is patient. It doesn't envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. Look at me, I'm all that. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil. Here's what love does. It rejoices. It gets excited about the truth. It always protects. Love always trusts. It always hopes. It always keeps going. It perseveres. It never stops when others pull back. Love never fails. Okay, great. How do you do this? If I, if I can't do this of my own free will, 
If I can't conjure up all the good that I want to do, well, how do I do this? Well, I think we shouldn't be confused. We shouldn't be confused because love doesn't just happen. It requires action. And you can't just use words. You actually have to do something. First John 3.18 says, let's not love with words or speech, but let's put action to it. And let's do it in truth. How do we do this? Paul writes again in Galatians 5, 24. He says, you do it by nailing the passions and desires of your sinful nature to his cross and crucify them there. Ooh, that sounds like a tall order, doesn't it? What does that mean? Practically speaking, how do I do that? Well, if you're following the Spirit, if you're living by the Spirit, you're going to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of your life. And that will keep you from being conceited. That will keep you from provoking one another. And it will keep you from being jealous of one another. So, how do we do this? We surrender. There's that word again. We surrender our lives. We surrender our lives and we follow the Spirit's leading. We listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And in John 15, really important part of this is remain in me. Abide in the vine and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. So we can't, if we're separated from God, we can't produce fruit that he would give us if we were connected you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. This is Jesus' words. He says in verse five, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. How do we do this? We remain in the vine. We remain in relationship with Jesus. We keep listening for the word from the Holy Spirit. You know he speaks to you if you listen. But sometimes it means the actual like abiding, remaining, being with the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the spine. The fruit of the Spirit is, um, so when we talk about striving or trying to become what we know we ought to be, what we ought, what we really want to be, it doesn't work all that well. When we try to conjure it up, when we try to be and when we strive for something, but when we abide in the vine, when we abide, when we allow Jesus to do his work in us, it's, a, it's like a spontaneous uh, development within us. It's the um, spontaneous work of the Holy Spirit. It's a byproduct of being surrendered to the way of Jesus. It's a byproduct of being aligned with God. Okay, so that's how. How long does it take? You ever wonder if you're ever gonna get this right? Like, am I ever going to be living a life that is consistent? Am I ever going to live a life that is just, I'm just producing fruit like crazy. And like, I don't even have to think about it. How long does it take? I would tell you that it takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime. And, and it takes a lifetime of, pursuing Jesus 
it is a lifetime of surrendering to him. And it won't just happen if you don't put some action to the words. See, it's one thing to say, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to live. And then to sit back and say, okay, bring it on. This is what I want to do. That doesn't work in the natural and it doesn't work in the spiritual. What does work is when we put one foot in front of the other and we get on after it. Norman Wurzba in his uh, book, Way of Love, says that the fundamental task of Christians is to align their living with the divine love that is always and already operative in the world. Without this alignment, one can scarcely claim to know God at all. Without this alignment, one can scarcely claim to know God at all. I'm going to go back to... Um, where the scripture that I had earlier that said, if you do not, um, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I just wanted to go back to that because I think it's important to note that inheritance comes. Like if I am, uh, my father uh, may or may not leave me an inheritance. But the only reason I get that inheritance is because I'm his son. The only reason I can produce good fruit is because I have been abiding in the vine. I have been with Jesus. I have allowed his spirit to inform my life. If we want to inherit the kingdom of God, then it would seem likely and it would seem appropriate that we would be in the sort of relationship with the one that can give the kingdom of God, that we would align ourselves to the degree that he can actually do his work in us and give us our inheritance, which is the fruit that we are so longing to produce. You guys, when we live into the calling of God on our lives, uh, when we recognize that Christianity, which is this following the way of Jesus, when we recognize that it is not uh, first and foremost a doctrine or a set of teachings, but instead it is a way of life. To repeat a doctrine, to believe in a set of teachings is one thing. To live that out is quite another. And that is why we need to be in alignment with Jesus. We need to be listening to the words of the Holy Spirit. This vision we have for life is a vision of flourishing. It bears witness to the uh, love of God already at work everywhere in the world. See, when we abide in him, when we remain in him, this requires choosing repentance on a daily basis. Like so many of us want to say it's a one and done and now I'm good. And yet you know that as you live your life as a human being, that sinful nature, that base human nature rises up, doesn't it? It rises up at the most inopportune times. And it causes us 
to step away. Sometimes I think of this, this life of um, sanctification, if you will. That's a theological term for, like progressive sanctification simply means that as you go, uh, you continue to become more like the one that you follow. And so if we're following Jesus, as we live our lives, we continue to grow and be sanctified, become more like him. But this requires a constant surrender. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And as you do, I want, I'm just reflecting on what it means, what it means for you what does it mean for you to love? How does that practically work itself out in your life? Some of us have had great experiences with love. We've known unconditional love. We've, we've, and I'm, I'm a recipient of a lot of unconditional love. Others of us have never experience that at all. And I know this morning that as we consider our own place and how we operate in the world around us, our goal here is to make the world better, to make the community better, to make the neighborhood better, to be the sorts of people that will help bring transformation. But let me just remind you again this morning that that transformation happens within each and every one of us first. It must start here first. And you often hear me talk about this and I will talk about it for as long as I live because I know what has happened inside of me. And I know that the work that many of you are doing within your families, within your organizations, within your community, it is derived from a place of love for others. So I'm going to challenge you this week and for the weeks to follow that as we go through each one of these topics, these attributes that all together, all nine of them, give us the character of Christ, as we go through each one of these weeks, I'm going to ask you to really be focused. So this coming week, really be focused on this topic of love. Ask yourself the question, as I relate to this person, as I think about this person, because as a man thinks, so is he. As I think about this person, what are my thoughts based in? Are they based and is the foundational, foundation of my thinking and my action based in love. This is good for you guys in high school and middle school. This is good for all of us as adults. This is good for us that follow and those of us that lead. How do we love? And is that love agape love? unconditional, sacrificial love. Bottom line, we love because Jesus loved us first. 
So let me pray for us. And as I pray, the prayer ministry team is coming up and um, we'd love to pray for you. Specifically, if you're just not feeling the love, if you're not living into the love, Father, open our eyes even now for the ways that we have mishandled love. Open our eyes, Father, for the ways that we have been misshapen by the way that love has been projected to us, where we have believed a lie. Would you expose that this morning? God, for the brokenhearted in this space this morning, for those that are online, for the brokenhearted, for those that are feeling far from the love that is so readily available. God, would you bring healing and restoration to each one of these people? Father, we believe that your love is the healing agent, the healing balm. Kind of heals up all those wounds that we've incurred over the years. If we have been the agent of those wounds, if we have been the person that has created those wounds, if we're the person that has said the words that have sliced deeply, God, we want to, we want to reverse that. We want to be the healing agent going forward instead of the pain agent. God, I pray for my friends that as they and we together as a community of people that say we follow the way of Jesus, that say these attributes are part of who we are. Help us to be realistic as to the efficacy of these attributes in our lives. I think there's some of us that are in leadership here this morning uh, not in the church, but out in the community, maybe in the church too, but I'm thinking in, in the community that are facing a, kind of a fork in the road where you can either step into this place of authenticity and this place of, of I think there's a question about, should I show my love to the people that I'm responsible for? Should I show my love for the people I'm responsible for, even in the workplace? And I just wanna speak over you even now. I believe God is telling you, yes, yes, yes. Express that love. Do it the way that is authentic to you. But when we allow Jesus to, to love through us, to show care, to be kind, to be gracious, to look out for the good of the other. That is the way organizations change. That is the way cultures shift and move. So if you're asking that question this morning, yes, yes. 
step into it tomorrow and look at what happens in your workplace. Don't be, don't be, uh, don't kid yourself. The enemy is not going to look fondly on that, but step into it and move and do the thing that you know you need to do. Be courageous. Father, I speak blessing over each one in the house. Would you give us what we need to step in and do the hard things? And we're grateful for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.